The information you want, the information you need on your Tri-Cities Morning News. Good day to you. It's Thursday, October 7th. This is the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear every morning, Monday through Friday, on the Tri-Cities Morning News in Washington State. We'll be talking about the housing and rental market with NBC's Rory O'Neill a little later on. But first, let's get to that Pacific Northwest local and regional news. I'm Derek Maselli. I'm Glenn Boggan. Put on hold the Broadmoor RV Special Olympics Washington check presentation slated for Wednesday was postponed due to COVID-19 exposure among the Special Olympics representatives. It's the third year that Broadmoor RV has sponsored the organization. No new presentation date has been announced. An upgrade to a now permanent fixture. In Pasco, the former or a former teacher who had set up what was initially just a small book stand in front of her home in the city, her homeowners association informed her in August that the stand had to go. And now, fortunately, there's a new permanent structure that's going to make life a little bit easier. This way, I don't have to worry that the books will get ruined. I don't have to bring them out and put them in every night. And everybody can just come when they want to, day or night. Juanita de Luna uh, talking with our partners over at Keeper Action News. You can Learn a little bit about the library. It's on Palmyra Drive in Pasco. Another new business for Kennewick, and this one crumbling right before your eyes, but don't worry, that's a good thing. So we have rotating of over 170 cookies now. We usually have one brand new one on the menu and then some favorites that always come back. Renee Rusk co-owns and manages Crumble Cookies. They've opened a new location off of Columbia Center Boulevard near Target. You can see pictures of yesterday's ribbon-cutting ceremony by heading to our Facebook page. Just search 610-KONA. Speaking of Facebook, the Navy lost control of its page for the Everett-based destroyer-class warship USS Kidd. Someone hacked the page late Sunday night and began streaming the computer strategy game Age of Empires. The stream first went on for four hours and then was streamed several more times on Monday. A commander says the Navy is working with Facebook technical support to regain control of its online presence for the ship. Well, speaking of Facebook, one Washington center wants to see the creation of a data security and privacy enforcement bureau at the Federal Trade Commission. Data is collected on Americans, whether they like it or not. And we all know stories of data brokers and the breaches behind the scenes where data was collected. Democrat Maria Cantwell at a hearing in D.C. yesterday. A former Spokane County worker accused of stealing nearly $1.5 million over the course of 10 years. The Washington Attorney General's office says Rhonda Ackerman worked in the county's risk management department and allegedly filed 45 fictitious claims. Most of those claimants were relatives or friends of her son. When they received the money, they were told to give most of it back to Ackerman. She's now charged with one count of first-degree theft. Wenatchee Valley College is said to receive the Supporting Students Experiencing Homelessness Grant funded through a state pilot program. Our homeless students and our foster youth often don't self-identify that they need services. WVC did a survey just before the pandemic to our students, and it brought out that about 40% of students are experiencing food insecurity. Libby Stevens with uh, WVC says they will receive $226,000 over the next two years to serve students that are homeless or come from a foster youth background. 
The funding supports uh, reduced price, uh, reduced meal prices, technology access, as well as short-term housing assistance. One of the three sites being considered for a safe rest village in Portland recently cut from the list. Those safe rest villages uh, are going to include around 60 tiny houses, along with electricity and other services, in an attempt to bring more affordable housing to the area. The cut location at Southeast 45th and Harney was determined to be in a floodplain, so they axed that one. The two other that are being considered right now, Naito Park north of I-405 in also the TriMets Menlo Park, park and ride area near 122nd and East Burnside. Keeping things in the Beaver State, the Oregon Air National Guard is... Uh, says its 142nd wing will conduct F-15 Eagle Night training from the Portland Air Base this week. Officials say it's part of regular training requirements, and the flights are usually done by 10 p.m. You're listening to the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear on the Tri-Cities Morning News on News Radio 610 KONA. Let's welcome aboard NBC News correspondent Rory O'Neill. Rory, I understand a new report says it may be cheaper to rent than buy a home in some locations. I guess my first question is, where is it cheaper to buy to rent than buy? Well, it's okay. This is what's funny. So yesterday morning, just about this time, I got a news story come in from a wire service that tell, with this headline, the days of cheaper rentals are over. And then within an hour from a different news organization, supply crunch hits would-be home buyers, makes renting cheaper. <laughs> so I've got two competing stories with different headlines and different ideas as to how this housing market is going. You know, we've seen things um, during the pandemic, rental prices really took a hit. What they could charge for apartments in big cities like New York, Washington, Boston, San Francisco, all down 20, 25 percent. But now those rental rates are actually back to pre-pandemic levels, in some cases higher, as a lot of people who moved out for maybe a year, that lease just came up, and they're moving back into the city, even though their office may not be reopening. So one of the things that we're seeing out here in the Tri-Cities right now, Rory, being one of those communities that's outside of the major city is starting to grow, right? When you talk about those who have maybe left some of the major cities and established routes elsewhere and... Now, as the housing market kind of takes off and becomes the Wild West because of that, it seems that the rental market tends to follow suit. And is this one of those things where maybe at first that, that renting was the cheaper option, but as a community kind of starts to grow, then we start to see those rental prices increase and follow suit? Because I'll tell you right now, as a young professional, I'm having a whale of a time finding the affordable rentals in a community that previously was noted for having that uh, cheaper type of rental situation. Well, you know what's happened is a lot of larger companies have come in and scooped up these things. So whereas a mom and dad used to own, say, a rental property that they would have, well, now that's been bought up by by a bigger company that has a whole portfolio of these rental properties that are, you know, remotely managed and they can just raise the rents willy-nilly without ever meeting you or having uh, any idea who you are. It's, it was tougher for the Bob and Pop 
to, to raise to look you in the eye and raise the rent, right? So we're seeing more corporate involvement in these rental situations uh, for housing. And also, uh, we've seen a lot of the inventory taken off the market because of Airbnb and other uh, of those rental services where people that used to rent them out uh, you know, for, um, for an annual lease instead of renting them week to week uh, for vacation rentals. So that's also taken out some of the inventory. You know, we, we spoke a couple weeks ago. There's a housing shortage in the country. We're missing out about 5 million units, uh, and the builders are not building the cheap stuff. They are instead focusing uh, on the higher-end properties because that's where the profits are. So if you are renting, you're finding it very, very difficult to find that starter home, that first home that you might buy when you're 30 years old and just starting out. So, Rory, what are municipalities doing to try to alleviate this? I know the American dream is that nice small rancher out in the suburbs with a white picket fence, but maybe that's not a reality for 2021. Are communities doing anything to try to maybe put up apartment buildings or try to make something more attractive so people can at least get into housing, even if it's not what they want to be in for the rest of their life? Yeah, apartment construction nationwide is booming, but uh, they really can't even build the units fast enough. But because that is also another profit center for these big corporations, even the big corporate builders make a lot of money uh, constructing these apartment complexes. So you'll see those popping up everywhere. Uh, As far as city planning is concerned, you know, that's been uh, affordable housing has been a growing concern, just as we've seen these these uh, home prices just keep climbing, almost skyrocketing, really, in the past decade. But it's so funny. It, it, the Great Recession wasn't that long ago, right? And we remember how home prices just cratered. And in some cases, you couldn't give a home away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are just you know, about a decade later, and really the, the whole thing is turned upside down. And you know, the pandemic has a lot to do with it. We're all trying to figure out how we're going to balance life, work. Do we go to work? Uh, do we go to the office every day, just maybe once a week? You know, all those things are disrupting the, the housing market. Roy, I want to follow up on what you just said there about the the fall and and rise of the market again, if you will. One of the things when you talk to folks around town is, yeah, the value of these homes is going up, but it's not uh, residents who are necessarily buying them. You mentioned the developers and such, too. A lot of this uh, increase in the value of the housing that, that we're seeing is... Other developers who are outbidding each other, even on these properties, to further invest in them down the line. Has there been any talk about where the limit of this ultimately ends up being? As you know, you look at things conventionally in, in consumer demand. If if it's developers who are creating that demand right now, more so potentially than just everyday people looking to buy homes, where is the line? Well, you know, I think we're going to, well, now, you know, that's a free market, right? And this is the issue. I think what we're going to see is that as interest rates start to creep up again, uh, probably next year, that's what the Federal Reserve is hinting, you know, we're going to see another shift in whether or not real estate is the best investment. But for right now, people in a lot of places are looking for places to park their money. They've seen big increases on Wall Street. They've made money there. And now they're looking around with these low interest rates. They can, you know, get a mortgage even on a second, third, fourth property, uh, very cheaply and and turn a quick buck on uh, making them rental properties. NBC News correspondent Rory O'Neill joining us on News Radio 610 KONA. We'll be talking about the California oil spill, college cheating admissions scandals, and more coming up next on the Kona News Podcast. (music) 
It's the Kona News Podcast, brought to you by News Radio 610 KONA, continuing now with some of our national and regional headlines across the Pacific Northwest. I'm Derek Maselli. And I'm Glenn Vaughn. New calls to ban offshore drilling after the oil spill off the coast of California. The CEO of Amplify Energy, owners of the ruptured pipeline off Huntington Beach, is defending his company's response. Reports suggest the company took hours to shut down the pipeline and notify authorities about the leak, which began Friday night. Martin Wichler said he's not sure... There was significant enough loss of pressure in the pipeline Friday to sound the alarms. ABC's Matt Gutman has more from Los Angeles. Investigators increasingly believe that an anchor from one of these massive container ships snagged a section of that concrete encased steel pipeline causing that crack. What remains in dispute, however, is when the oil company knew about the oil spill and how quickly it took action. Again, that was ABC's Matt Gutman in Los Angeles. The unvaccinated facing a growing list of restrictions and potentially dire consequences for not getting the COVID-19 vaccine in Colorado. A woman battling stage 5 kidney disease says she's being refused a transplant as long as she and her donor are unvaccinated. In a letter, the University of Colorado Health System is giving them 30 days to get the shot or they'll be removed from the transplant list. But the woman says they're choosing not to for religious reasons. ABC's Kaylee Harting reached out to the hospital officials. The health system telling ABC News that in almost all situations, transplant recipients and living donors at UC Health are now required to be vaccinated against COVID-19, in addition to meeting other health requirements, including getting other vaccines. The hospital noting if a transplant patient contracts COVID, they're at a particularly high risk of severe illness, hospitalization, and death, with a mortality rate up to 32% higher. Again, ABC's Kaylee Harting. Well, we were just talking about this a little while ago. A possible deal to avert a financial uh, catastrophe is getting the credit of robust trading on Wall Street. Stock prices opening higher after possible deal on the U.S. debt limit. Now, uh, for now, ABC's Cecilia Vega says Senate Minority Leader is indicating Republicans will not filibuster an extension of the U.S. debt limits. Republicans under Mitch McConnell, they relented in the face of widespread pressure. Business leaders were invited to the White House. They universally spelled out the dangers of a default. But the deal we're talking about right now, they're basically kicking this can down the road. It's a short-term extension to increase the debt until December. Again, that was ABC's Cecilia Vega. A journey set to begin now. Deliberations, the first trial of the massive Varsity Blues college admissions scandal. Secret tapes recorded of alleged ringleader Rick Singer meeting with multimillionaire parents. Here's ABC News chief legal analyst Dan Abrams. I think they can't argue they didn't do anything wrong, right? They're basically putting the admissions process on trial. Basically saying, look, this is the way it worked, right? People donated money and it helped them, their kids get into college. That's wrong. Is it criminal? That's going to be the question that the jury is going to have to decide. And in essence, the parents are almost conceding, you know, that that this is not the ideal way to go through it. But we were told that this is the way it happens. So we will see. Again, ABC News Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams. Drumroll, please. The 2021 Nobel Prize for Literature goes to an author born in Zanzibar. All eyes on Stockholm for the very difficult to predict winner. 
Mats Malm from the Swedish Academy with this year's name. Abdul Razak Gurna, born in Zanzibar, active in England, for his uncompromising and compassionate penetration of the effects of colonialism and the fates of the refugee in the gulf between cultures and continents. Gorna is a professor at the University of Kent. He's the author of 10 novels. His award comes with a gold medal and over a million dollars. Tom Rivers, ABC News at the Foreign Desk. Governor Jay Inslee in Walla Walla yesterday to talk climate change, but he also spoke out over worries that the estate is facing a big staffing shortage thanks to his vaccine mandate. The numbers I've seen today give me every confidence we will maintain public safety in the state of Washington. I'm not con- concerned about that. Inslee said people come and go from their job all the time. We normally have about 10% turnover of state employees in any event. So the state knows how to manage turnover in this case. And we will do that in a responsible way. Inslee made his remarks after touring a winery. You can see pictures of his visit by visiting our Facebook page. Just search 610-KONA. According to the Seattle Police Department, 354 sworn officers, making up about a third of the department's total, have not submitted proof of vaccination yet. Of them... Those who have yet to provide it, uh, nearly 67% work within the SPD's Operation Bureau, which includes patrol officers, sergeants, duty officers, another 15% are from investigations, while just over 9% work in special operations. The Police Officers Guild remains one of the few city unions that has yet to reach an agreement with Mayor Jenny Durkin's office over the vaccine mandate. Nearly two dozen more state workers from various counties across Washington filing a lawsuit over Governor Inslee's mandate. mandate. The lawsuit filed Wednesday names Inslee as the defendant along with other state, county, and city leaders. More plaintiffs and defendants are expected to be added. The suit alleges 11 violations of state law, including that Governor Inslee acted beyond his authority. It's being funded by the nonprofit Washington Citizens for Liberty. Inslee is also facing a lawsuit filed last month by nearly 600 state workers upset about the vaccine mandate. If we look at some of the COVID numbers across Washington state right now, the Department of Health confirmed 57 new COVID deaths yesterday, raising the state's death toll from the pandemic to 7,917. The department also logging 2,613 new cases of COVID and 124 new hospitalizations from the virus. Meanwhile, across the border, Oregon Health Authority reporting 33 new COVID-19 related deaths, along with 1,564 new cases of the virus. There are 730 people currently hospitalized with coronavirus. The state has experienced a total of 3,900 deaths and three, uh, 338,130 cases since the pandemic first began. It's the largest meth bust in Oregon's state history. Seizing drugs with street value of more than $1 million, federal and local police say they arrested 47-year-old Martin Monzo Negrete, a drug ring leader in uh, Eugene, Oregon. On September 15th, he was charged with possession with intent to distribute. As part of the operation, law enforcement executed federal search warrants on multiple locations in Lane County, which yielded 384 pounds of methamphetamine, over a dozen guns, some of which were stolen, and more than $76,000 in cash. A man responsible for distributing major amounts of heroin in both Washington and Oregon will spend the next 10 years in federal prison. The 32-year-old 
old sentence on Wednesday after he pleaded guilty to drug charges. Federal prosecutors say the suspect took calls from drug users and sent runners to deliver the drugs. A federal grand jury charged the man with uh, as well as two of those runners. One of the co-conspirators pleaded guilty and the other has a trial date for later this month. The Schneider Springs fire has now reached 86% containment, officials say. There will be smoke for a while, but it's all happening inside the interior of the fire perimeter. However, many area road closures are still in effect. Due to the rugged terrain in the area, full containment will only be achieved by snowfall later this year. This has been another edition of the Kona News Podcast, an abridged version of what you hear Monday through Friday on the Tri-Cities Morning News. On News Radio 610 KONA, Derek Maselli saying thanks for listening.